0: Listening to Germantown Community Radio WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a weekly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization throughout Philadelphia. I'm your host, Derek Hengemill. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding for aspiring real estate developers in seven different Philadelphia neighborhoods, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, creating a healthy mix of affordable and market rate housing, and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth and keeping wealth local. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Our series held on Monday nights at 7pm via Zoom webinar, and for more information about these events, check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com. This week, I'm speaking with John Hansen of Hansen Fine Building and Preservation about contracting for a historic renovation and what aspiring developers need to know about the preservation process. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com media. I do want to introduce our guest uh, who is John Hansen and he is a principal at Hansen Fine Building and Preservation and he primarily handles business development and financial management. He received his bachelor's in American Studies. Excuse me. He, he received his bachelor's in American Studies and a certificate in historic preservation from the University of Pennsylvania. He has served on the board of the Greater Philadelphia Preservation Alliance since 2014. He was elected as a member of the Carpenter's Company in 2010 and was with two and two of three children in University City um, and in a former life he was an avid ultimate player and won the World Cup Ultimate Championship in 1989. I, I had to include that one John, <laughs> that's too cool. Um, but yeah, I, I'll let him say hi and, and uh, I hope everybody's looking forward to tonight's discussion. How's it going John? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's a, it's a nice opportunity, thank you. Of course, yeah. So tonight we're talking about uh, historic renovations and and specifically the contracting side of that, um, because we we had spoke with uh, some members some other members of the preservation Alliance. Um, I forget how long ago that was, but we covered more of the the motivation behind it and sort of the uh, the ethics of it and, and why it's important in the, uh, you know, greater development scene in Philadelphia. But tonight we're talking about contracting, which uh, I'm, I'm aware you have plenty of experience with um, in terms of historic renovations. Um, so so why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your company, um, which I mentioned in the bio there, which is uh, Hanson Fine Building and Preservation.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so I, um, uh, I, I was a student at the University of Pennsylvania and in my summer years that time I worked as a painter with my uh my brother. I was my family had a house in Nantucket at that time and we um we we worked my brother and I on uh houses up in Nantucket. We these are old, you know, many of them old historic homes. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like you know 14, 15, um and that was sort of the genesis and then I, uh, I, I I've met a friend, we formed a business and uh, we started this company, which we at the time called Fly by Nate Painters because we didn't really, you know, like we just didn't know what we were doing and we were just trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, we got a sense like these are old Nantucket homes, old Nantucket homes are, I mean, the oldest ones are 17th century, sixth, or 18th, early 18th century. So um, at a at a pretty young age, I got a sense of the perspective you get when you work on an on an older structure, which is wow, this is like way more important than me because it's really old. And um, how do I how do I respect it? How do I be a good steward of it? And you know, at, at that point, it was. I mean, I've, that's a stewardship is a is a is a complicated term, but um, I think it's an important one when we talk about. Preservation, because that's really what we're talking about—is good stewardship. And so I, I learned um, at a pretty early age that, you know, when you work on something old, it's there's there's value to it. There's perspective to be gained. And um, then I went to Penn. I studied undergraduate uh, American civilization was my was my undergraduate degree. And then I, uh, one of my un, one of my undergraduate professors suggested that I might look into the graduate program at Penn in. Historic Preservation, which was at that point a relatively new discipline. Um, so I, uh, I entered that program <clears throat> and spent two years. Uh, didn't finish my degree, and honestly, because I, I, some personal issues got in, in the way. And um, I, uh, I got my certificate. <clears throat> and then um, uh, 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 about that time, uh, a friend of mine who was in the architecture program recommended me to um, a friend of his who was looking for a a, a simple like kitchen renovation. This was at 24th and um, Waverly, right downtown Philadelphia. So uh, with not nearly enough experience and no idea what I was doing, I accepted the challenge, uh, signed a contract with these folks and um, that was the start of my business. In about 1987, so mm-hmm. I jumped in with not enough experience, and um, you know, looking back on it, I, I would never have had the fortitude later in life that I than I did at the time when I was a, a young, you know, 21 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the start of it, and, and most of our work has been uh, <clears throat> in the city. You know, Fittler Square uh, was where I started. Fittler Square is where I still do a lot of work. We just wrapped up a very large project at Twenty Fourth and Pine, um, and we do a lot of um, a lot of work on older structures, and we also do a lot of work on. Now we're thinking about newer buildings and thinking about the the importance of building performance, which is really kind of a cutting edge issue when you think about um, old structures versus new construction, because you have a lot more opportunities when you're doing new construction to think about building performance. But at the same time, when you think about an older structure, you think about embodied energy and you think, okay, how much, how much energy am I wasting when I tear this thing down? And what is the, the, the real calculation of, you know, what's best for the environment when you think about, uh, what you're doing to a home. And, and we see this, this, this conflict all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we try to explore the intersection between really smart building performance and, and honoring our past and also, you know, thinking about just, you know, what is the best opportunity for, for good per- building performance? And it's, 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 it's a challenge and it's, I think it's one of the interesting things of our business
0: yeah that's awesome i mean it's 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 really um exciting to see a, a development company you know nonetheless care so much and have so much respect for for like you said stewardship um and making sure that you're treating the properties it's not just about the bottom line or or you know you know moving on to the next project as quick as you can it's it's about the story kind of right and and that's what i i, I love to hear that it's awesome john um, so, so I just want to ask you a little bit more about the, the projects you've done in specific. Um, are, are you on like larger commercial buildings now or, or what, what sort of scale of development are you at in, doing in Fittler Square? And what, are the, what is really the end use of those products, I guess?
1: So we still do mostly single family residential work. Um, you know, in, in 1987, when I started my company, it was all single family, like mostly renovations, um, kitchens, bathrooms. <clears throat> um, and that still is the mainstay of our business. Sure. Um, but we, we recognize that, um, in order to grow the business, we want to have, you know, some flagship projects. And so our, our first kind of big flagship project was in 1995, we got, a, um, the opportunity to work on one of the houses on Boathouse Row, Vesper mm-hmm. Boat Club. <clears throat> and, uh, I think we spent, mm, at least a year, maybe more over, over the course of a couple of different phases working to, um, we, we did, we put an addition on and we did some extensive renovations to, to the boathouse. <clears throat> and I just remember feeling at the time, wow, this is really like, this is important work because it's, it's a, it's a kind of a flagship piece of architecture in the city and, um, it's recognizable and it will enhance our, our residential work so from a marketing standpoint it it made a lot of sense and it's also um
0: it's just fun work to be working on on a landmark so, so it sounds like your, your your track record and and sort of proficiency in in historic renovation has has opened a lot of uh, a lot of doors for you and kind of when people think of a historic renovation do they they think of you as the the person who can handle the job now not
1: the only one, but certainly, a, yeah, well, I think we are recognized as, as one of the companies that people should talk to when thinking about uh, significant renovations to an older structure in Philadelphia. I mean, obviously, it's a scale, there's a scale issue. If it's, if it's a big industrial building, maybe not so much, but if it's, if it's a single family residential building or an historic institution like Boathouse Row or like a, a museum in the park, We've done several projects like that. Yeah, we're we that's 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 our wheelhouse
0: cool. kind of establishing that niche for people for, for to, to recognize you with. Um, so so uh, I, I do want to ask you about the the Preservation Alliance and the work you do with them. You're a member on the board, right? Yes. Great. So, you know, what what, what have you done with them? I, I spoke with uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick and Jennifer Robinson uh, on a jump in a while back. Um, and they sort of talked to us about their roles, and they, they seem to be in administrative roles. Um, but what, what do you do on the board, and, and what sorts of uh, work have you gotten up to with them recently?
1: Uh, well, I've, I've been on the board for since, yeah, since 14, which is, wow, longer than I thought. But um, <laughs> um, in, initially, mostly um, fundraising. You know, we, I, I have connections in the community. The Preservation Alliance is a nonprofit institution, and they, they rely on on you know donations from the private sector to survive. They, you know there's some public assistance available, but um you know their their work is really important in terms of advocacy and um, preserving structures through just being a presence in the community. And there, there have been some opportunities for me to get involved uh, on a like, more granular level. I, can, I uh, recently, I don't know if uh, I'm sure some of your listeners might have heard about the Marion Anderson House, which is at, at, uh, somewhere around 17th and Bainbridge. Um, this is a it's a it's a very modest two story row house on a in residential block that you would otherwise not really pay any attention to, but um, in the middle of the block is what was the the final residence of Marian Anderson, who we all know is a major historical African-American historical figure. And um, uh, that, that building has suffered from a lack of funding, lack of resources, and uh, the Preservation Alliance Recent in the last year got involved with with that project and um, so my company in the last year was asked to kind of go in and help do an, a needs assessment and figure out what does this building need in order to well what, what basically what happened was there was a uh, there was a i think it was a freeze and then there was a plumbing leak and a bunch of water got in that building. And they were in crisis mode. And at that time, the Preservation Alliance reached out and gave, you know, uh, donated donated some time, some resources. I got involved. And um, as a result of some of that attention, they've now been able to secure a grant from the National Trust, which is great. And so they're gonna be able to do some significant work to repair their building. You know, that's that's a, that's a nice success story. It's it's a little different when you talk about you know a, a project somewhere in Germantown where there's no historical significance necessarily, but you know it, it's a nice it's a nice success story.
0: Right. Yeah, that that's awesome to hear. Um, and, and that kind of segues nice into my next uh, question, which is just going to be kind of defining uh, what historic buildings are or defining what philadelphia and specifics uh historic buildings are uh you know what what make I, I we understood uh from our discussion with uh patrick and jennifer that you know there's a historic register that you know if it's on that database it's on that list but um from what you just indicated it's like you could be walking down the street and and walk right by a historic uh you know landmark and not even know it um it just looks like a, a row home in the middle of a block um but on the other hand of it uh you know you could see a beautiful you know old style architecture uh facade on the front and, and you're like that's gotta be a historic building but it's not on the register <laughs> so so tell tell me about what, what the distinction is there um and what what are most of philly's historic buildings like
1: well that's a great question because um the term historic is is opaque. Let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. One thing that um, I, I I've learned since I was on the board, there so there's the the local historic register, which is you know Philadelphia Historic Commission. Um, they there's I don't know how many members of that commission. It's uh, so you know it's a it's a it's an arm of the city government, and their responsibility is to Create historic districts and nominate buildings or neighborhoods as "quote historic," and if if those uh, if if they are successful in passing the legislation for these districts and or specific structures, they get um, protection from a local level. And there's also. The national the National Trust for Historic Preservation, which is a federal organization. And intuitively you would think, okay, well, if there's an if it's on the national district, it's going to get protection. And what what I have learned since I was on the board is that actually if if it's on the federal national register, it has less protection than if it's on the local register. Because there's just more specific legislation which protects it from, you know, develop, developer intervention. And um, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, when you think about the federal level versus the local level, and you think about the funding capabilities, there's a lot more money at the federal level, and there's a lot less money at the local level. So <clears throat> currently the city of Philadelphia has, I, I believe, I forget how many uh, actual employees on the historical commission, but it's it's woefully small, and as a result, there are very there are much fewer historic districts locally than there should be, and therefore there are many many local historic you know structures that are definitely you know whatever historic by the definition of age, which is. I don't know. We can talk about that. That's a different conversation. But, you know, many old, old structures that are, you know, significant from an architectural standpoint that are not protected because
0: they're not registered locally. Mm -hmm. All right. And and so I I would like to talk about that, about how old is like historic. You know what I mean? Like what is the time frame of when they were built um, that you know both buildings that are on that register, or you know just be walking down the street and saying that looks like a historic building. How how old are they typically?
1: Yeah, so I mean they're uh, mid-century modern. That's that's a moment. That's nineteen, say ni- that's post-war nineteen forty-five to nineteen say nineteen seventy. I don't know. That's that's an arbitrary time frame, but. That's, that's, a, that's a moment that I could, you know, that many people wouldn't think, oh, is that historic? That's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's historic because it's, it's a shift in architectural style. Right. Um, and I mean, beyond that, I'm, I'm trying to think of a significant moment after that. But everything after a certain point, like when it gets to be like 1990, I'm like, oh, my God, let's just forget about it because it's like not very well built yeah yeah sure so it's
0: it's less about yes uh,
1: uh, that's, that's not fair because you know they're, they're you know some of those buildings will become historic so historic right. is, a, is a sliding scale when you talk about the word historic right um but i um i you know w- basically when you think about it from this perspective of a builder um what we what we want to see is at least a very hard look at anything that's that's existing that has um, structural integrity, that's in a context that, that you know, is continuous. The worst, worst things that happen is when you, like you have a, a row of old homes that are built, like, I don't know, let's say a hundred years ago. And now you start chipping away and you tear down this one and you tear down that one. And now there's like these interruptions in the block. That's where... You know, it's it's really unfortunate that where you think about the developer mentality and, and legislation that allows that to happen.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I like your answer that it's not necessarily or historic doesn't necessarily mean a, a set you know, number of years past, but more so it's about the, the significance of that time period in which or, or the significance of the style um, that was used in that time period. Right. Um, right. So, cool. Um, and, and so typically, you know, who do you find to be the owners of these historic homes? Um, you know, is it just your average Joe Snow landlord who who doesn't realize what they have? Or, or do you, is there a specific group that typically holds uh, ownership over the historic properties? Um, I, I don't know how to answer that one. I would say that
1: um, there are many owners who buy houses without very unsuspectingly like they, they they buy a property because it's in a location or because they have some idea that they want to buy an old home mm-hmm. and they don't know what they're getting into mm-hmm. um, and there are others who um, are very intentional mm-hmm. they want to they want to live in an older structure and you know the, the, that's that's fine the, the, there should be opportunities for both of those scenarios to, to be able to live in old homes and, and be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, what's difficult to me from what I see is that uh, when you think about property values, I, I, I see and I read about these homes, so there's a block somewhere in you know, whatever part of town it's an 18th century early 19th century like you know an older home and next somewhere down the block or very nearby is is an empty lot that gets built and there's a new a new home built there and and you look at the the resale values everybody seems to want to pay a lot more money for the new house as opposed to the old house fixed up mm-hmm. and that's a problem Because I I think people don't really fully understand the intrinsic value of working with an older home.
0: If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with John Hansen of Hansen Fine Building and Preservation about contracting for historic renovation and what aspiring developers need to know about the preservation process. Thank you for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. Um I was just going to say uh that, yeah that's interesting that you put it that way that the, there's a natural tendency to go towards the newer things it seems like in this current market at least um but but is there really much of a a difference between the quality of that you know rehabbed historic home versus th- this new construction L- like you can bring the historic home up to the quality and and you know pristine or whatever you would say of, of a new construction home right it's just about the the style i guess right
1: Um that's a, a little tricky question it depends on you know, on the budget, obviously, and it depends on uh, the project, the property. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when I've, one thing I've come to understand is that as a sort of a blanket concept, people like to have natural light coming into their home. Mm-hmm. And older structures are, it's, it's you know, the window openings are smaller, and it's just, it's a, it's a greater challenge. And when you look at newer structures, it's, it's at least well-designed newer structures, it's all about bringing light into, in exist, into, into the building. And so um, <clears throat> I think that's one of the, the, the big challenges when I, when I talk to folks these days about preserving existing architecture, that's one of the, the driving ideas is how can we get light into the building?
0: Right.
1: And, and first, you know it, sometimes you, people look at these, these newer buildings that are not as well built, but they have bigger openings <clears throat> and more natural light coming into the house and they think, well, this is a greater value.
0: Okay, um, so so next I, I want to kind of get into the the thick of it here and, and talk about contracting for historic renovation. Um, I want to ask you what what you would say the main difference are. M- main differences are. Um, Excuse me. The main differences that need to be considered uh, for like an aspiring re- developer or rehabber who who has never really taken on a project of historic nature. What do they need to be aware of that's different than a standard, you know, gut rehab of a of a row home that maybe not doesn't have some historical significance? Um. Well, and there's there's always
1: there's a greater Potential for unknown, obviously, when you're dealing with existing conditions versus new construction. You never know what you're going to find when you pull the plaster off the walls. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's that's a bit of a loaded question, because um, in in our business, I would say it's it's an exception rather than the rule that things go as planned. Mm -hmm. Everything typically when you tear apart an old house you're gonna find stuff that you didn't really expect. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to <clears throat> prepare for that bit of unknown, which is, you know, I suppose you could call unfortunate, but it's just part of the game. And, um, you know, you, you, as a developer, you have to have the stomach for it. You, you have to believe that there is a greater value. There's a greater good, uh, you know, and that's where it gets Tricky because is is the greater good for for me, the developer, or is the greater good for the community? And if it's the community, you have to have a much more far-sighted vision about what you're doing. And that's you know I think you know for a small developer who's thinking about one or two properties or three properties, that's that's that is the challenge. Mm-hmm. You, you're having having sort of an, a longer horizon of of of
0: goals, right. And, and i'm i'm sure with the um the greater risk of of uncertainty or the greatest, greater risk of pulling down the wall and realizing oh crap there's this whole other thing we need to do um that comes with cost right and and expense and and that's going to bulk up your budget so i guess that that's one big difference people should be aware of is that they're they're going to be digging a bit deeper in their pockets to to maintain the historic features right
1: i mean i i i hate to put it that way because that, that seems sad that sounds like a disincentive mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and, you know, and yes, it's it's also true that, you know, an existing house, you're going to have a you're going to have all the floor joists. I mean, just do the math on on the structural lumber. OK, if you're going to keep like the structural components and the masonry walls, that's that's there, there should be value to that. Right. It's not it's not nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 sort of like you're, you're adding in place or, or you're subtracting in your budget from places for like, oh, I'm saving this really great feature of this strong, you know, weather that is going to be sustained for a while. And in exchange for that, you know, you're able to, to put some budget into, to fixing up other areas of disrepair or disrepair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I also want to ask you about, uh, you know, the, the contractors needs, um, you know, it's for people who aren't maybe the general contractor or aren't, um, you know, Running the construction site themselves, or, or they're just more of an investor role. Um, should should people be looking for contractors that are specifically, um, you know, great at historic renovations, or have that in their um, in their, you know, profile, or or, or can people trust an, a normal contractor to to handle it? Um, I think that's kind of a loaded
1: question. Okay. <laughs> it, it depends on what your goals are, but if you really want to preserve. Existing original conditions, then you need somebody who understands them, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people who who don't understand it, and we've all seen what happens when those relationships occur. It's it's, it's too bad, um, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it's all about money at the end, right? Like, you know, how much are you willing to spend to preserve? Mm-hmm certain details and what is the return on that investment it's 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 not always it's never clear
0: yeah so so what are the um the common things that that come up when you take down the walls in a historic rehab you know what would you say is like the the most common thing that people take down the walls and they realize oh man we're going to need to pump a lot more money into this or you know kind of changes the direction Are there anything that comes to mind either in, in your projects or or you know um your colleagues
1: um I mean, everything you're going to get the best results when you have the best plans. If You know, uh, seek first to understand and then be understood. That's one of our sort of guiding principles when we do business. So in terms of the construction itself, you, you need to understand what, what your goals are. And um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no question that when you uh, undertake a, an historic renovation, you buy uh, like a, a single family row home somewhere, and it's been lived in for many generations and not maybe necessarily that well taken care of, and you start to take it apart, and you see, okay, well, wow, there's some, some rod here with where the floor joists meet the masonry wall, because there's it's in some moisture infiltration, and you know, like the windows aren't in shape, in good shape. Um, those are things that you don't necessarily understand going in, but you, uh, I mean, yeah, a good developers going to be able to anticipate and plan for it. It's, it's, uh, it's you have to have the stomach for it. I mean, it's, I, I, I. I think that ultimately people, you know, there's, there's greater value in the big picture by f- figuring out ways to preserve the context and integrity of some of the neighborhoods that are under the greatest challenge right now from development. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do have to, uh, you have to have some stomach for unknown. That's kind of the nature of the business.
0: Yeah. So when we're talking about uh, maintaining features, you know, what, what specific features are are people typically seeking to, to keep intact? Like I'm sure windows is is a big one, uh, historic windows and and frames. Um, What what other things are are you think are those like really hot, hot items that you want to make sure you're, you're keeping an eye on? Well, if
1: you start with the exterior um, you know, the facades are um, a big feature of any, row or any building in the city whether it be a row home or a town home or whatever you want to call it uh there's there's going to be an existing typically masonry facade and masonry sidewalls and <clears throat> there're going to be there're going to be maintenance issues for sure with with those um elements of the building um, sometimes you know the roof is an historic if if it's a a mansard roof or Uh, you know, a a metal roof that is visible from the street. Those are um, historic details that that can be expensive to maintain. Uh, Yes, certainly windows. Uh, Windows are a key piece. And uh, again, when when we think about building performance, that's a kind of a bleeding edge because um, windows that were built in whatever, 18... 60 1850 what you know let's say an average old historic row home they're not going to perform nearly as well as a window that would be built today mm-hmm. um, so there's a bleeding edge there about what what's what's smart is it is it building performance or is it historical integrity mm-hmm.
0: yeah so every each project is kind of a a mix mash of all those different concepts of trying to Figure out what to add and what to remove and whatnot. So it it takes experience. It sounds like, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I I got through most of my questions for you. Um, I just kind of want to leave it off on uh, asking if you have any other general tips uh, for for you know inexperienced developers who who are seeking this sort of renovation. Um, You know, any guidelines you can give people or or final thoughts on it?
1: Um. Yeah. I. I think it's important to start with a good plan, and. Understand, you know, who, what the market value might be, um, and take a holistic approach where you look at the building and think about what are the what are what is the big idea here? What are the key elements, mm-hmm. um, and 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 design your plan with those features, those existing elements in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is a challenge because I think uh, from an economic perspective, it's 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 hard to argue with what I've seen, which is that you know if you tear it down, it's going to give you a greater return on investment. Um, I I I continue to believe that in the bigger picture, if people are more like minded, that there are lots of opportunities to. Take the historic value of buildings and, you know, turn it into a, a return on investment.
0: All right, great. I think that's great advice for people, and I, I think uh, I think folks will resonate with that. Um, I have a couple questions here in our Q and A, and not many, which uh, I think might be due to the the sluggish Monday night, but also we had an Eagles game coming up in in forty five forty five minutes. Might people might be prepped for. Um, but I, uh, I do want to ask these um, to you, and a couple are from uh, Alina, and uh, Alina was the, the former host of the, the Jumpstart Philly radio show and a, a friend of Jumpstart, so uh, she, she asked some really great questions here, of course, um, and I'm just going to relay those to you. Uh, Alina was just wondering, generally, how much of an extra contingency do you add to a typical Rittenhouse Square, Fitler Square renovation? Um, she's suggesting, it, it does an extra 25% uh, sound reasonable for contingency on that budget?
1: Um, well, if the question is, how much do we typically include in our contracts for contingency? The answer is zero. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason for that is because it's that becomes kind of a complicated contractual question. Mm-hmm. What, what is a contingency? Um, what we try to do, and I think it's really important for any developer, any relationship when it involves real estate, that you existing real estate where there are like, you know, potential Mm -hmm. hidden conditions and misunderstandings is that you be very clear from the outset about expectation and um, contingencies have to do with unknown. And what we try to do in our company is understand and articulate the unknown at, at the earliest possible moment so that, there's the smallest possible potential for misunderstanding. And so, uh, you know, contingency sounds, so I've I've heard people talk about, yeah, we carry a, whatever, 20, 25, maybe, maybe less contingency percent. And what that basically sounds like to me is, well, we're just going to, you know, understand that there's a big fat pile of unknown and we're going to, punt down the road and see what happens. And what we try to do is say, okay, well, here's what we know at any given moment. And our number is as clearly articulated as possible based on what we know, and also what we don't know. And so we, we tell our clients what we don't know. And that's, I think, the best potential outcome is when you know you don't have a, a contingency for unknown, but you have a conversation about what you know and what you don't know and you know the p- potential for
0: how a uh, uh, conversation to solve it down the road mm-hmm. okay so yeah so rather than just adding a, a arbitrary present on top uh makes a little bit more sense to to know that the the possibility is out there and then and then tackle the the financials of it later right
1: yes exactly
0: right um, our, our next question comes from Stefan and he he asked this to one of our guests uh, the other week, but he wants your take on it. And he's, uh, he's looking to reroute a stairway 90 degrees with no obstructions in the way of how you would reach, excuse me, he wants to reroute a stairway 90 degrees with no obstructions. Um, he's asking who do you think he should reach out to a master carpenter, architect, or a structural engineer? Um, who do you think is his go-to person for that?
1: Um, So in our world, yeah, there's a kind of bleeding edge between do you just hire a good contractor or do you need to get a professionally licensed architect or engineer to help you with that? And I think so it's a nuanced answer is if you can find somebody who is smart, who doesn't necessarily, well, then there's a whole question of of, uh, approvals you know, if this is a situation where it's simply a matter of restructuring a stair opening in in an existing structure, and you don't feel like you need to go to the city to get a building permit, uh, to me, the best answer would be to find a really you know find somebody who's capable of doing the work without a an engineer and a set of drawings, mm-hmm. um, and that's not necessarily the best answer because there are lots of guys out there who might say that and they're not actually qualified to, to actually do that work. So, you know, that's a, a you're, you're running a risk, but I, what I will say is as a business owner, um, I've seen so many instances where we hire or our clients decide to hire an engineer to solve a problem a structural problem, say, you know, a stair opening that needs to be thought and, and, and restructured where then we get into actually building it and we do it completely differently because our con- the, the, the guy who's actually building it has better ideas that actually make more sense because he's the one actually doing the work. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean when I say there's a bleeding edge, like, you know, if, if you have somebody who's smart in the field there's no need for an engineer. And oftentimes it's a waste of money. On the other hand, if, if you don't hire an engineer and you hire a stupid builder, you're gonna regret it. And I've seen lots
0: of examples of that. Gotcha. My um, next question here comes from Alina again. She's wondering about how do you feel about tearing down inter- interior walls to create open concept floor plans, particularly for kitchens? A lot of people are more concerned with maintaining the historic exterior look, but want that 21st century interior design amenities, um, you know, open chef's kitchen and spa-like bathrooms. Um, I think our guest last week also talked about this, um, that that's kind of the, the go-to, you know, of design is open concept. You wanna see straight through from the front wall to the back. Um, do you think that's always a good idea, especially in a historic rehab?
1: I mean, I think that it's important that any historic rehab acknowledges that we're in the year 2021. Mm -hmm. and This house may have been built in 1862, but it needs to perform Mm -hmm. by 2021 standards. And so, yeah, like if nowadays people, the way people use homes is much different than it was in 1860 something. And so if, if you want to find ways to engage with your entire family and have open spaces, and that's the way you envision living in the house, then absolutely you should do that. I, I don't see any reason to feel like that's a bad idea. As long as on the, on the exterior, you know, what I, what I see is is, you know, blocks where a row in the a house in the middle of a row gets torn down for whatever reason because there was a fire, because you know it's a lack of attention, and now you get something really stupid in the middle in return. And that's that that's is bad for the whole community. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, our uh, next question comes from Keith. Um, if you had to prioritize saving historical, and, and I think you might've already answered just so you, you can just reiterate what you said. Um, if you had to prioritize saving historical elements of a structure during renovation, what would you save? So um, I know we said windows earlier is something and the exterior facade, but uh, just real quickly, what, what other things would you say people should prioritize?
1: Well, I mean, uh, the exterior, I think is kind of obvious. You want to save the facade, like keep a continuous facade. <clears throat> windows are, Another conversation, I, you know sometimes it makes sense to try to preserve the existing windows if they're, if they're in good enough condition, sometimes it makes more sense to replace them. but if you're going to replace them, they should re- be replaced in the same kind as, as what was there before and that's you know be, we've seen lots of people making mistakes around that of you know buying windows that, that don't belong in existing contexts um on the inside what i would say is if you're thinking about you know like likely ex- existing historical elements the stair case is usually a big one what's the stair case look like how how is the stair you know how is the stair railing and handrail and the treads and risers is how much work is it going to be to preserve them or restore them into a condition that you feel like is, is commensurate with everything else that you're doing in the house. Um, I've found that, um, you know, there, there's, there's always, there's door and window trim and baseboard trim, um, over the course of time, I, this is always budget driven, budget dependent, but I hate to say it, but you know, sometimes many times, if you're trying to do a really nice job and like, put this uh, into what I would call an A, get the A for your work. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it usually means taking that trim out and replacing it. But if you replace it, you take, you, 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 it's not that difficult to replace it with the exact same molding. Like there are people out there, uh, again, budget driven. If, if you're trying to do the math on, um, what makes sense, I've I, I found that if you're going to do the whole house and you're trying to make it really nice for resale, sometimes it makes sense to just take that trim out, find somebody to run the same trim and redo it all. Because it'll. by the time you strip the paint off and you take all the, the nicks and, and imperfections out, it would be much easier just to replace it and that's coming from a preservation so i feel kind of bad saying that but i have learned that over time and i think you know the way i've come to peace with it is that, yeah i mean if it's if it's a significant enough detail in a significant enough house yeah you want to keep it and restore it if it's you know if it's an old horsehair plaster wall in a house that um you know it's a it's a historic house museum or whatever and it's important to understand the whole fabric of the house is it, to be able to interpret it. That's one thing, but if you're trying to if you're a developer and you're trying to, you know, cre- create a return on your investment, I I've you know sometimes it just it, it's more work to preserve original details than sometimes just taking that that said profile and replacing it with with new to match. And I don't think there's any real downside in the fullness of time about that, because you you are preserving history, you, the same details are there. It's just, this is newer material.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. Um, and our, our last question for tonight comes from Anthony and he's wondering, does your company do full rehabs? Would a jump starter be able to use your company as a contractor to rehab a property? Um, so, so is that something you, you guys do?
1: We do full house rehabs, yes. Uh, um, it depends on the project, but we are always interested in talking to people in our community. Um, yeah, we our, our office is in Germantown right here on Johnson and Cherokee. And we see lots of great historic houses in our neighborhood that uh, deserve attention and um, we're happy to talk to people in our community our immediate community who are thinking about trying to address the challenges, it's, it's not easy. And I, you know, a lot of people are afraid of it and it's too bad because um, I think, you know, we're ultimately gonna regret. These historic buildings are a finite number. Every time you tear one down, you can't bring it back. And that, you know, so it's its reductive. Every time you lose one, there's no getting it back. Um, so we're, we're certainly, interested in helping anybody from the community who um, has intentions to do that kind of work and would love to be able to be a resource if we can. Great. Um, and, and
0: I lied, this is our, our last question here from Alina. She was just uh, squeezed this one in and wants us to ask you about uh, HVAC um, and, uh, you know, HVAC systems in a house and, and what you think about replacing um, or, or what you think about recommending sticking with radiar- radiators, oil heat, and window AC units when um, modernizing with HVAC system is, um, you know, the, the standard. Uh, well, what are your thoughts there, and, and what do you think uh, some are some innovative ways to incorporate that into the marketplace? Yeah, HVAC
1: is a great question because um, boy, things have changed since what, when these homes were first built. My house was built in eighteen, uh, I'm going to say eighty five, maybe, and like many houses in Philadelphia, no AC. And the heating system is is a gravity-fed system, it was. So you you have these these metal grates that you see on the wall or on the floor, and in the basement there is a a furnace that heats air and and funnels it into ductwork, and the ductwork allows it to rise like hot air does. And it finds its way up through the house because it's just convecting the hot air. And there's no force, there's no fan, it's just, you know, let gravity do its work. That was the first innovation of, of heating houses, not cooling, just heating. And you know, since then we've come a long, long way. And in 2021, if you want to talk about a smart way to to condition your home, it's not just heating, it's also cooling. And um, there there are challenges on both sides. Some houses, mostly in our, I find it in our neighborhoods, uh, the harder challenge is cooling than heating because, I mean, partly because of global warming, but also because um, cold air, goes down and hot air rises and um it's it's just it's harder to to cool houses so yeah i think in today's world um one of the very first priorities if you're doing a development project is to think about how you're going to condition the space and that's going to be one of the biggest line items of your budget And so you should think hard about it and that there are, um, there are different price points, different ways of thinking about it. But if you want to be forward thinking, you, what what you want to do is uh, is think about systems that may, may cost you a little bit more upfront, but that uh, what you get in return is, is lower energy consumption because when you talk about, you know, our, our our built environment right now. Um, if I if I understand correctly, forty percent of energy spent. If you want to talk about global warming, energy consumption is is in is in housing. Forty percent of all energy consumption is in housing. So that's a big number. That's a big opportunity to um, you know find ways to reduce consumption. And we, uh, yes, there are so many ways to um, reduce consumption through good, smart heating and cooling. And it, and, it, and, it, and it can be expensive up front, but it makes a lot of sense in the long term.
0: All right. And that concludes my conversation with John Hansen about contracting for a historic renovation and what aspiring developers need to know about the preservation process. The interviews on this program were recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpinar series, which takes place via Zoom webinar every Monday night at 7 p.m. And if you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guests, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com slash events and register for next week's Jumpinar. If you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, visit gojumpstart.org and see our how-to guide and open source training workbook. Thanks so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio WRGU 92.9 FM. Be sure to tune in next week.